The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what, having, or what woman, having 10 coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same, same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the, the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. Then when he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my fa father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son who had been out in the field and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your, your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord.
So I know if you have noticed with my preaching style, it usually has about five or six steps. It follows the same formula, and it's very intentional because I can remember what I've written and prepared, but then also as well, there's some expectation and some uh, map that you know that you can follow. Even if you never even realize there is those five or six steps, there's anticipation of what comes next in them. But this weekend, I wanted to switch it up a little bit. I wanted to try something a little bit different, especially with the parable that we have just heard. So I have an image here before you, and I'm going to walk around, and I want you to look at it as best you can. I could found the biggest one that I could, but this is it, right? So take a look at it, and then I will come back around with two questions. I'm not going to call on anybody, don't worry, but just look at the image. Look at the people in it. Now, on the way back for a second look, why would I have picked this image? Why would I have picked this image? And secondly, what's one observation? Why would I pick this image and one observation that you have or one thing that you notice? So here it is, last chance. Why would I pick it and one thing to observe? Now, partner up with someone around you and talk about those two things. Why did I pick this and what do you observe? Go ahead, talk to each other, okay? Thirty more seconds, keep talking. Thirty seconds, keep going. All right, five second warning, start to wrap up your conversations. Five seconds, keep going, but start to wrap them up. And three, two, one. All right, we can bring it back here. That's the hardest thing when I preach for K through eight school masses at my previous assignment, or if I do this at Andrean High School, is bringing people back to the center. So, so far, you guys have been doing great. We're doing great, all right? You're doing much better. That's great. So I know this image, if you haven't had the chance to connect all the dots together, is a rendition, is a depiction of the parable that we have heard proclaimed today in the gospel, right? And what you should have been able to see was the different characters in the, in, the, uh, in the image that are represented in the parable. You can see the father, how he's embracing the son. And then kind of off in the shadows, off to a side, are some other characters in the background. But my friends, the most important thing, the most important thing that we could notice from this parable, the most important thing that we could notice from this image is that we are embodied at different points of our life different spiritual seasons, different times of our life by both of the sons. We have lived an experience, if we're honest with ourselves, 
both of the sons, depending on the point of our life and where we could be. Maybe we're in one place, maybe we're in the other, maybe a little bit of both. But my friends, our spiritual lives, we often and certainly find ourselves in both places. This parable that we have heard this weekend is so powerful because if we examine it a little bit more with some of the tools of the culture of the people of the time it was written in the time that Jesus preached it prior to that, they would have known exactly what it was. They would have been able to engage and understand all of this parable and its ideas. If you think that a, a rock star life, you know, the rock star lifestyle was invented in the 20th century, there was way, way more things happening prior to that for the, the past 20 centuries prior, especially. Especially when we've heard the story of the younger son. He goes to his father and says to him he wants his half of the inheritance, his half of the property owed to him by his father. It's almost as if he is saying to the father, some have said, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead because I want your money now. I want the property now. And then he leaves and squanders it on a life that is certainly, as it's described in the gospel, not something very wholesome, right? But it's in these moments when he realizes he is feeding the swine. He is taking care of the pigs. This would have been something that the people of that time and place would have been able to recognize very keenly because no one wanted to do that. People did not take care of pigs. They didn't eat them. They weren't around them. They didn't touch them. They were ritually unpure. So this is below rock bottom for someone that he couldn't even eat the scraps of what the pigs would eat. This is low. And even in our own time and place, although I've had my share of bacon for sure, right? There's the reality that pigs are gross. You know, they literally sit and wallow in their own feces. It's not something that's very attractive. So you can imagine the lifestyle in which he lived. He realizes the younger son in this moment that he, can, he could live better as a father's hired hand, better as a hired hand on his father's property than as he is now. And so he goes back and goes to the father. And what's interesting about the gospel is that the father runs to him. That is not something that would have happened in this time and place. Elders had a very strict place in that culture, and they would not have run towards the son. The son would have been expected to come to the father. But it's very clear, the detail is very clear. The father runs to the son. In this image, we can see one depiction of it, of this embrace, that the younger son literally kneels before the father, and the father embraces him. It's a moment of love, a moment of compassion, a moment that the younger son didn't deserve for what he did, but yet the father loved him enough to do it anyway, to set aside his misgivings, his failures, and to do it anyway. How often in our lives we can find ourselves in that place, in a place where we are in need of forgiveness. We are in need of the opportunity to repent, to ask for forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. There are lies that can be placed in our heart by the evil one that would tell us that we're not worth it, that we shouldn't ask for forgiveness, that our sin is too great. But those, for my friends, are totally lies from hell. The reality is, is that our sins do not define us. They do not define who we are. They do not define our relationship with one another, with our neighbor, or they do not define our relationship with God either. What a beautiful opportunity it is to then to be able to repent, to ask for God's forgiveness when we need to, because it will look more like this image of being embraced by the Heavenly Father in that forgiveness 
in that mercy than anything else we could have imagined or anything else we could ever fathom. However, sometimes we too are in the place of the older son. We hear about this moment when the father embraces the younger son. There is love, there is joy, there is peace, there is forgiveness. But yet, the other son is so fixated on himself, so focused on himself, he can't even appreciate the reality of the forgiveness that is happening. Cue the rain, right? I'm that good, right? (laughs) But indeed, there are moments in our lives where we are in the place of the older son, that we sometimes are at the center of our own life. We can't see the needs of others around us. We can't see the needs of what our Heavenly Father is asking of us because we're so focused on ourselves. Whether that be in arrogance, as described in the Gospel, or in Paul's reading, or in pride or lack of forgiveness, or even comparing ourselves to someone else. It's a surefire way, my friends, if you want to be robbed of your joy, be robbed of your peace, to compare yourself to someone else. All of that joy, all of that peace will be wiped away. Because in that moment, it's not about you and God and what God has to give you, but it's rather focusing on ourselves. And when we do that, when we focus on ourselves in a selfish way, then we are for sure, it leads to a way of unhappiness, of unpeace, of a lack of joy. So my friends, as we see this image, as we hear this story, we should be reminded that we can be in either place, whether we are in need of forgiveness as the younger son, or we are in need of a way to put God first in our life, in a place of the older son, to not focus on ourselves, but to focus on the other or in our relationship with God. We should be able to challenge ourselves this week to really think, are we in either place? Maybe we could be in both places, or maybe one or the other. But what are the obstacles in our lives that are placed in the way of whether it's placing God first or asking God for forgiveness? What are the obstacles, what are the things that get in the way? If we ask God for his wisdom, for his guidance, if we seek God for repentance and to place him first at the center of our life, we will have certainly joy, certainly peace that is beyond all measure and beyond all telling. We just have to be able to challenge ourselves to love ourselves enough to ask those crucial questions.